This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Uh, We're going to step into our our sermon this morning. Good to see you. Good to see faces that I haven't seen for a little bit. And uh, did everyone have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, some of you we saw, some of you we didn't right afterwards, and we're glad that you're here. Uh, I want to put, give one more push for Jingle Jam. Uh, I think, is registration finalized on Wednesday? When, when can they register up to? I think it's not closing. Oh, it's not closing. Okay, so uh, 3 o'clock showing. There's three shows next Sunday. 3 o'clock showing is full. Uh, so if you're wanting to attend, make sure you get on a register at 9. Uh, get on red- and register for the 9 or the 12 o'clock one. Uh, you're, not, you're not going to want to miss it. This is probably one of our very best ones that we've ever put on and uh, that we've brought to bring glory to God as well as ministry to you. And so you're going to want to be here. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Everyone say, sign up. If you haven't done so, get on there today. I know that there's been a lot of people that have been asking, and you got to go register. Make sure you get on there. It's going to be great. Today, above and beyond. Everyone say above and beyond. Above and beyond, week number three, our final sermon on our series of our, our big give. Above and beyond, uh, far beyond what is required, exceeding what is expected, exceeding what is expected. How many love it when, when you uh, ask someone to do something and they do above and beyond? When, especially when you ask your teenager to do something, right? And they do above and beyond. When you ask them to do the dishes, they don't just do the dishes, they actually clean the counter off. Like, right? Isn't that like miraculous at the moment? Uh, We're not picking on any teenagers. We were all teenagers at one time in our lives as well. But God is a God of above and beyond. God does not just do the base amount. God always does more than we can ask, think, or imagine. And and, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul's writing, he says, Now to him, now to God, who is able. Not only is he able, but how many have discovered that he's not just able, but he does? You know, it's not, we're we're talking about that God, we're focused, pointing focus that he can do these things, but he actually does function this way. He can do above and beyond all that we ask, think, and some translations say imagine. I can tell you my imagination is a big imagination, and I can think a lot of things, and God's able to do all those things according to what? The power, his power, God's power that is at work where? In us. So it's not removing us out of the equation. God's just not going to come and go, okay, well, let me do something great and mighty. He's going, let me be the work inside of you that's going to do this work. Let me empower you to do that. Let me give you the ability to do so. Above and beyond, when we talk about this, is when we give above what we normally give so that we, are, so that we at RLC can go beyond where we normally go. So that's what our goal has been this last three months. It's been what our our theme, our desire has been over the last many, many years that we come at the end of our year and we go, God, you have been faithful and we want to give back out of that faithfulness. Not just what you you ask of us, but we want to go above and beyond what you ask. And uh, we've taken on this brand new, this challenge from the Slaters and I'm going to show this video and then we're going to talk about it a little bit.
funny during that video where you're trying to put the brakes on <laughs> as they were going. You know, you're the backseat driver, like, whoa, slow down. Uh, that, that is uh, speeded up, obviously, but I can tell you, if you've ever been to Africa and traveled in Africa, you want to cover your head as you're driving and just trust the driver. Today, as we are here, we're at the last big launch or big, well, you're going to hear about it a little bit next week, I guess, at Jingle Jam, but Speed the Light, the, this big give that we have a, attacked and committed to. As you see, Steve and, and Amy are driving around this vehicle that we are purchasing for them. Uh, and uh, so I just want to give you kind of a little bit of an update. Speed the Light is a, an avenue of Assemblies of God that we can supply vehicles and sound equipment for our missionaries. Uh, Equipment that they can't purchase on their own, cars that they cannot purchase on their own, and their car is very necess- a necessity, as you could see as they drove around Durban there for us to see what is there. Um, but not only have we been reaching above and beyond, how many have been saying, we're, we're reaching above and beyond, we're, but we have exceeded above and beyond today. And I want to come and I want to give you the announcement, isn't that good? We, rather than $43,000, you ready for it? Drum roll, please, come on. Rather than $43,000, we're at $50,200. Isn't that amazing? Utterly amazing. Amazing, amazing. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, why then are we preaching on above and beyond today? Why then are we continuing to ask? And the reason that I'm continuing to ask is because our hearts, my heart as a pastor, is that everybody will participate, that everybody will give, that everybody will do something. It's not equal giving it's equal sacrifice. So if you have not at this point, we, we can come and we can celebrate what the body has done. We can celebrate what has happened. But I want you to be able to celebrate what you have played a part in. Not just what someone else did, but what you played a part in. So today when we are talking about above and beyond, if you've not participated in this giving avenue, would you please, would you please consider in your heart giving something? Everybody can give something, whether that's a quarter, whether that's five bucks, whether that's 20 bucks, whether that's a hundred, and some of you could probably give more than that. But I want to invite you as we walk into this series or this, this message today that everybody will give something. And you're saying, well, Pastor Kevin, what's going, to do, what's going to happen with the extra money? My desire, my heart's desire is not that we would raise $43,000, but as a result of our, where we're at right now, I would love to reach $53,000. And this is why. Because there is another missionary whom you and I support. They are also in deep need of a speed light vehicle. And so I would love to be able to turn around and go, we're paying off this vehicle and we're going to turn around and we're going to give $10,000 towards their vehicle. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that just be awesome? So we're like, we're almost there. We're $3,000 shy of being able to turn $10,000 over for, their, for their, their vehicle. So today I need you. If you have not, maybe you've already given and you're going, I'm tired of Pastor Kevin talking about money, so I just am going to give the next $3,000. And if that's you, give the $3,000 and someone else will raid the other $3,000 and we'll have $13,000 to give, right? Uh, The more we can give, the better, right? I love this. And so today we're here to celebrate. We're here to rejoice in this above and beyond going and exceeding what God's done through us and what you have done in your generosity. And today I want to, excuse me. I want to preach a message on what's in your wallet. Everyone say, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? Today, this is a participation activity this morning. I have three $10 Starbucks cards, okay? So I need everyone to pull out your wallet, okay? And we're going to do an exploration of what's in your wallet. Everyone say, what's in your wallet? So this is the game show today that we're going to be able to participate. The first one that can produce this item, 
produce this item and get up here to Allie is going to be the winner of the gift card, okay? So, yeah. so the first thing that I'm looking for, are you ready for it? Is I'm looking for a $75 bill. You guys are quicker than I thought you would be. Actually, what I'm looking for, does anybody in this building, you get to keep it, you're not, I mean, unless you just want to give it to be the light. Does anybody in this building have a $100 bill? First one to get up here, $100 bill, get up here, fast, 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 run, 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 run. Here he comes, here he comes. No one's competing with him. I saw the other hand. Hey, there you go. He shows it. There he gets a Starbucks card. Come on, let's give him a round of applause. Awesome. Anybody in this room, well, I, d- don't knock him over if you're coming. Anybody in this room have a punch card from any location? Punch card, quickly, 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 quickly. Oh, it's going to be a race. It's going to be a race. Okay. There you go. She's, she's giving her punch card away now. Okay. Next one. Next one. Are you ready? Anybody here with an insurance card in your wallet? Insurance card. <laughs> we're, not, we're not paying for any injuries that take place. <laughs> Knock them over. Allie, you get to pick who wins. Okay. Thank you. Let's applaud everyone that killed himself in that last one. What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? When we talk about this message today, turn to your neighbor and say, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? Uh, Capital One is the, the bank that promotes what's in your wallet. It was an advertising blitz that cost the Capital One $5.4 million in one month and $285 million in one year. The Blitz, the Blitz raised consumer awareness of its brand to 98% within just three, three years. 48 million customers were produced as a result of this commercial. What's in your wallet? We see this, this commercial continuing on, but the campaign was very, very successful and was highly profitable. But although today the slogan has made the company very popular, but it's also made the company a bit laughable. In 2012, 2 million customers were refunded a total lump sum of $100 million because of a lawsuit accusing the company of deceptive marketing practices. More recently, Capital One announced that a hacker got access to personal information of over 100 million individuals, including credit scores, balances, and social security numbers of tens and thousands of customers. The data breach affected 100 million people in the U.S. and 6 million people in Canada. And I ask today, what's in your wallet? Hopefully it's not Capital One. All right? Uh, but today, you know, we, we see this movie stars. They probably have some of the best commercials, if you've watched them. Anybody a fan of the Capital One commercials? And you've got Samuel Jackson. You've got uh, uh, Jennifer Garner. You've got Charles Barkley. You've got John Travolta. You have all these movie stars that are asking this question, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? What kind of credit are you using? What kind of banking system are you using? Today, I believe this is a really great question for us as believers. Not about the plastic that we're carrying, but what our wallets represent in our lives. And so today, I want to ask this question, what's in your wallet? What is in your wallet? What's in our wallet represents uh, what, what provides for our needs and our wants. It represents the stuff that occupies very much of our life. Everyone say stuff. Stuff. 
All of us have stuff. How many can honestly say that you have stuff in your lives? Things that you have purchased with what your wallet represents. Stuff is what millions of people long for. Some steal stuff, some kill for stuff, and the other, uh, others would sell their soul for stuff. Stuff is the stuff that, would, that the world thinks life is made of. We all have stuff. We, we see it, we want it, we buy it, we insure it, we display it. We measure our worth by how much stuff we have. Isn't that true? We buy houses, and then you stuff that house with stuff. One of America's favorite things to do with stuff is to store it. As of 2019, there are now, there are now more than 47,000 self-storage units across the United States. People now fill billions of square feet of, of space with their stuff, spending $15 million a year to pay someone to store their extra stuff. How many would be honest enough to raise your hand to say that you have so much stuff that your garage is filled with stuff and you cannot put your car in the garage? Come on, lift your hand if you're, be honest. We have stuff. We all are guilty of stuff, right? We all have stuff in our lives. We build our lives around getting stuff only to die and to leave our stuff behind for our kids. And some of us like, yeah, we want to leave our stuff for our kids because they can go through it, not us. Maybe a complete stranger will want your stuff. Wars are fought over stuff. Marriages are disintegrated, uh, disintegrate fighting over stuff. Children are neglected because parents are too busy buying stuff. Today, when we think about this idea of stuff, we're in a culture that says, if you want it, get it. If you like it, if, it, if it, it's going to benefit your life, buy it. Get it. Store it up. Even if you use it once, even if you don't use it, even if, just keep it in the box because it looks cool. But more than ever, this idea of money and what's in your wallet creates drama in our lives. What's in our wallet and how are we going to spend it? How are we going to save it? How are we going to invest it? When are we, what are we going to need when we retire? All these co- confusions that come are, are calamities and dramas that come as a result of stuff. And today we don't want to focus on our human perspective. Today, I want to talk about God's perspective of our stuff. Turn to your neighbor and say, what's in your wallet? God, today, because you are the God who cares so much about our lives, you care not what's only in our wallet, but what's in our heart, and both of those reflect one another. And so today, God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our lives. God, help us to honestly self-assess and to ask ourselves this question. God, not in comparison to another human and what the world says should be in our wallet, but in comparison to you and what you say our wallet should do for us. And God, we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. God is not about stuff. God's not about stuff. God is passionate about people and he's passionate about his glory. God's not impressed by stuff. Everyone say, God's not impressed by stuff. Can I tell you, God has all the stuff on this planet, and he's not impressed with himself. He's not impressed with all this stuff. He created that stuff for your, for your happiness, for the things that we get. And so the Bible has so much to say about money and stuff. Life is far more than stuff, but how you see stuff and how you use stuff and how you handle stuff will determine both your life in this world and in the world to come. Today, we want to talk again about Above and beyond. We want to talk about how are you living your life and how are you using 
your money for the stuff that you fill your life with. Today, I want to look at a famous character in the Old Testament, one who had a lot of stuff, one who realized he had a lot of stuff. I'm not talking about Solomon. I'm going to talk about his father, David, today. Near the end of his life, King David of Israel had realized almost all of his dreams except for one. His desire, his passion, was that not only would he have created a grand palace for himself, but that he would have created a grand temple for God. And he had this desire that he was going to uh, build this temple for God. But because David was a man of bloodshed, God was not going to allow him to build the temple. He said, no, your son Solomon is going to build this temple. And David, as a result of this, took took his life at the end of his life to come back and go, if I can't build it, then I'm going to fund it. If I can't build it, I'm going to do a massive fundraiser and I'm going to bring in the finances that my son, when he gets here, he's going to be able to build this wonderful, amazing uh, temple. It's one of the most incredible events in the Bible. In fact, it is so incredible that nothing quite like it has ever happened since. Because of the hand of God upon the nation of Israel and upon David's life, it was an, uh, as an abundant nation, at that point, David was the richest man in the world that was living on, and he was living in a beautiful palace on, uh, on this, on, uh, in Israel. But David noticed a problem. He noticed this, this reality in his heart that here he is living in this amazing palace and God's people are meeting in a tent. That God's people are worshiping God, the most high God, in a tent, and David steps back and goes, no, I'm not happy with this. I want to change this. David had a, a heart shift, a heart attitude change. And David wasn't just going to give to a, a building program. He was giving to the temple of God. And so when we come and we look at this idea in Psalm, or First Chron- Chronicles chapter 29, it says, Then King David said to the whole assembly, This task is great. Everyone say, This task is great. Three weeks ago, when we stepped in to say we were going to raise $43,000 for Speed the Light, many of you were going, It's impossible. Some of you were going, It's impossible. Some of you were going, No, we can do that. Some were going, I'm going to wait and see. In my heart, I was like going, This is a great task ahead of us. It's a great task. And David's coming. It's above and beyond our ability, but it's a great task. And he says, because this palatial structure, this splendid structure is not for human, but it is for God. And I want to pause right there. And I think many times you and I take for granted these buildings that you and I sit in right now. You take for granted the the. The, the amazing locations that God has given us on Lancaster and on Fairview. We take for granted the parking lots and the parking spaces. We take for granted the furniture that is here. But can I remind you today that these are not for us. These buildings, these structures, all that is here is not about us. It's about God. And if we, make, if we shift the focus to us, we end up missing all that God wants to do through us. It's the same thing with our wallets. Realizing that David must, realizing all this information, David realized that he must lead the way in raising the money for this project. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, he says this, In my devotion to the temple of of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. Over and above everything that I provided for this holy temple, 3,000 talents of gold and 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of of the buildings. 
For the, go- for the gold work and the civil work and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen, now who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord this day? Someone has actually taken back and evaluated how much did David actually contribute. Are you ready for this? He gave $450 million just in silver. In gold, he gave $17 billion. Think about it. Think about when he's going, no, I'm all in. I'm for this. I'm, giving, I'm emptying my treasure for this temple. As David does this, he starts this avalanche of giving. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, 6-9, it says, Then the leaders of, Israel, uh, leaders of the families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of king's work gave willingly. They gave toward the work on the temple of God 5,000 talents and 10,000 uh, derricks of gold, 10,000 talents of silver, 18,000 talents of bronze, and 100,000 talents of iron. Anyone who had precious stones gave them to the treasurer of the temple of the Lord. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. They'd given freely and wholeheartedly. Am I popping? I'm not sure why I'm popping. They gave freely and, and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And I want to ask you today, as we step into our life evaluation, we can step back and we can look at Israel and we can look at what David gave and we can be blown away, but have we given willingly and wholeheartedly? Have you given willingly and wholeheartedly? And that's the challenge this morning. Because as people were able to gather around Solomon's temple, as it was named, as they were able to step back and evaluate, they were all as a people able to rejoice to go, look what we did. Look what we did, what we were able to give, what we were able to provide. After David and the people had finished giving this massive above and beyond offering, David offers up one of the greatest prayers in all history. And that's what I want to focus on this morning is this prayer that David prays. It changes our perspective on who owns what and where all things come from. So if you're looking with me, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 18, you can follow along on the screen or you can open your Bible uh, to those, that pl- place as well. 1 Chronicles 29, 10 through 18, David says, it says that David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Verse 12, it says, Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. Now our, God, we give, now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are, your for, we are foreigners and strangers in your sight as, uh, as were all our ancestors. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all that belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All things I have given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. Lord, the God of our fathers Abraham and Isaac and Israel, 
Keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. Today I want to look at three observations that I see in this passage of Scripture, three observations that declare who God is from David's prayer. Number one, God is the owner of everything. Everyone say, God is the owner. God is the owner not just of a little thing, not just of the world. God is the owner of everything. Everyone say, everything. Everything, everything that we see, God is the owner of. First Chronicles 29, as we saw that, it says, David praised the Lord. And it goes on and says in verse 11, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Here is the king of the most powerful nation who recognizes that the king of all the universe owns everything. The king of the most powerful, powerful nation on planet, the richest man on earth, goes, no, it's not mine, God, it's yours. God is a single, single owner and the sole proprietor of, proprietor of everything that you and I have. He owns everything. And for us to live our lives in a way that honors him, we have to step back and go, no, God, God owns this. It belongs to him. Everyone say, what's in your wallet? Haggai chapter 2 tells us what's in your wallet. It says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord. When you open up your wallet today, when you look at the cash that's in there, or the credit card that's in there, or the, the debit card that's in there, it all belongs to God. It's God's. And how you handle it reflects him in your life. God's money is in your wallet. Jack Taylor said this, that we must not allow our apparent freedom to use what is his to keep us from remembering that it is still his. Can I tell you that many of us go through life going, no, look what I have acquired, look what is mine, look what I have earned, look what I have saved. And the reality is, is this, is that everything you have has been given by God. And it's his. And for some reason, because he asks of us 10%, we think that the 90% is the remainder of us is ours. If everything belongs to God and he owns it all, then there is no need for you to worry about all of your stuff. Can I tell you, the more stuff that you and I have, the more cares and concerns that we have? Is that not the truth? If I get a new car, is that car going to last? If I get a house, when do I have to roof it? Do I have to insure it? I have to maintain the yard. All the different things that you and I can be consumed with in maintaining our stuff. Not only is God the owner of everything, number two, God is the giver of all things. God is the giver of everything. David continues this prayer, and we saw it in 1 Chronicles 29. He says, wealth and honor come from you. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. And the thing that the, the clincher here is in verse 14 to 16 that I want you to see. And David comes with this realization with him and his people as they've given this great amount of offering. And he says, but who am I and who are my people? Today as we come, we can relish and we need to celebrate in the fact that we've raised over $43,000, that we've raised $50,000 for a vehicle. But can I tell you the humble response is this, but God, who are we? Who are we? recognizing that, there is, that he is bigger than us, that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hands. 
Can I tell you today what makes me, makes me proud of this congregation, what makes my heart burst, is that the people that have come to go, no, God, it's not mine, it is yours. That's why I'm coming once again this morning to come back and go, no, if you've not given, if you've not come, would you come with something to say, no, God, I want to be part of this. We want to glorify. We realize that we, what we have given is not ours. It's what you have already given to us. Verse 16 says this, Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. All of it belongs to you. So we can come and the attitude that oftentimes can fill our hearts is let's pat ourselves on the back going, look what we did. Rather than going, no, God, we were a funnel for you. It was yours anyway, and we just allowed it to flow through our lives. God owns it, and it belongs to him. God gave it to you, and it comes from him. Deuteronomy 5.18 says this. But you shall remember the Lord your God. It is he who is giving you power to make wealth. I think the biggest struggle that we as humanity have is we come back and go, look what I have accomplished. We have it on our walls with our, 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 our uh, degrees. We have it on our, law, our walls with our achievements. We have certificates. We have plaques. We have little figurines that say this is what you've accomplished. And somewhere in our minds we go, no, look what I have done. Look what I have given. Look what I have accomplished. And the reality when we come to Deuteronomy chapter 18, 8, 18 is this. He is the one who gives you the power to make wealth. He is the one that gives you the power to do what you've accomplished in this life today. Everything that we have is a gift from God. Your life is a gift. Your health is a gift. Your career is a gift. Your intelligence is a gift. Your strength is a gift. Your personality is a gift. Your children are gifts. Your friendships are gifts. Your possessions are gifts. Your accomplishments are gifts from God. Your wealth is a gift from God. Where you are today is a gift from God. Suppose that you have something very, very important, a package that you're trying to get to someone for Christmas and you hand it to Steve Wilhite, the FedEx man. And rather than Steve Wilhite taking it to the FedEx plant, he goes, oh, I like this box. And it sounds like there's something really cool in here. And rather than taking it to the FedEx plant to get it to the location, to the person, he decides to take it home and open it and set it and use it in his house. How many, what would you guys feel? Would you be angry? You'd be going, who does Steve think he is? That was not intended for him. That was not his. I entrusted it, him, it, I entrusted it in him to get it to the right, proper location. Can I tell you today that you and I are the FedEx men and women? That God has called us to be this transporter of his finances, of his special important things to the needs of our planet to use our things to cause the glory of God to be seen, to use our things for the gospel to be spread. We don't have the right to blow it and to spend it the way that we want to. We don't have the right to step back and just take a liberties with the things that God has given us. And so the purpose of this message this morning is to shift our perspective of where we got what we got. Number three, David 
infers that we are the manager of all of his things. First Chronicles chapter 17, or 29, verse 17, he says, I know, my, I know my God that you test the heart. Everyone says test the heart. That you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things that I have given willingly and with honest, all these things I've given willingly and with honest intent. And now I've seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you as well. Lord, the God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, keep these desires and thoughts in the hearts of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. This little phrase, try the heart. God tries the heart. Can I tell you that heart, heart and giving are combined? Your heart reflects your giving, and your giving reflects your heart. And so as we come today, David is coming with this, this reality. He's going, God, you test the heart. Can I tell you that our finances test our hearts, that our stuff tests our heart? What's in your wallet tests your heart. David is in effect saying this, now I finally understand money is a test. The way I see it, the way I spend it, the way I use it, that's all a test. Money in and of itself is a morally neutral aspect. It's neither good nor is it bad, but we all manage it. Our stuff becomes a test of where you and I are spiritually and our, where our priorities lie. If we are allowing our stuff in our wallet, what's in your wallet to rule our lives and to guide our lives and to direct our lives... We need to be careful of where our hearts are. I've realized this. I hate testing. Anybody hate testing? I hate tests. I hate tests in school. I hate tests that God gives me. Even though it says consider it all joy, I don't always consider it joy. Anybody guilty of not considering it joy? Can I tell you that God is in a process of testing you and I? That our stuff is a test to us. How we handle what's in our wallet is a test to our loyalty and our faithfulness to God. How we allow it to dictate our lives and how we allow it to shape us. You come with your amount of money to an investor. That money, that investor should come back and go, how, what, what is the goal for your money? If that investor came back and says, well, you know, the goal for your money for my life is this, you're going to be going, it's not your money. Can I tell you that that's how often God looks at our lives? He's going, the goal for my money in your life is this. Not the goal for your money in your life. The goal for his money in your life. So it's stepping back and it's honoring him and it's evaluating, evaluating all of these details. Tell me one thing. What happens to all your money and all your stuff when you die? It stays here. It stays here. And so often we're living for what we have. We're living for these next, this, this increase in our life. We're living for the stuff in our lives. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this, For we brought nothing into this world and we can carry nothing out. Today, as we look at our lives, there is limitations on our lives. And God says, what you brought in, you will not take out with you. So we have these three obvious observations about God. I want to give you three specific conclusions about man. Maybe you haven't picked it up yet. 
Maybe you haven't grasped it. I want to give them to you very specifically. Number one, man does not own anything. Today, the reality that you need to absorb in your life, the reality you need to embrace in your life, is that you come as a believer in Christ to go, I don't own anything. God owns everything. I don't own anything. Man doesn't own anything. Many times, as I said earlier, as we will tithe our 10% and expect that God says, no, the 90% is still yours, and God's going, no, I'm allowing you to use 90%. I still want you to use it in a way that honors me. Number two, observation of man's, that man gets what he has from God. The obvious, what you have in your life, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. Everything you have in your life, the house that you live in, the car that you drive, all of those things are gifts from God. The children that you have are gifts from God. Number three, only what, you, what we give back to God will last forever. Only what you and I give back to God will last forever. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21 says this. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures, where? In heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Martin Luther says this statement. He says, I've had many things in my hand and I've lost them all, but whatever I placed in the hands of God, I still possess. Whatever I place in the hands of God, we still possess. And that's one of my challenges to you this morning. When we do this big give series, regardless of it just being a three-week, this is how we're to live our lives, to realize, God, it all belongs to you. God, I am a steward of what you have given me. God, I need to be a, a conduit of what you have blessed me with. None of it is mine. It all belongs to you. I was thinking this week, if our church could absorb this mindset in its entirety. Would you imagine with me how different our church body would be? Can you imagine with me how different your, body, your life would be? If we were to come and we were to say, all my stuff, all my stocks, all my bonds, all my real estate, all my bank accounts are God's. That everything I have is used to love God to serve others, and to share his story. Can I tell you how that would shift our culture at Relevant Life Church? You say, well, Pastor Kevin, are you, dis are you un uh, not content with where we're at? No, I'm not content with where we're at. I'm not content because I know that there are a lot of people out there that their hearts need to be owned by God more than they're owned by God. I know my heart needs to be owned by God more than my heart is owned by God. I know that God has not called me to acquire here on earth, but to acquire in heaven. And we get so caught up in a culture of how are we going to survive. And I'm not saying being foolish. I'm not saying not planning. I'm saying, are we coming and allowing God to speak to our hearts and to our lives? Are we letting him be the number one voice in the steps that we take? So one more time, as we close today. Will you do me, a, do me a favor? We're not going to pass the tray and you're not going to drop it in. I just need you to pull out your wallet one more time. Would you do it? Everyone pull out your wallet today. 
And as a representation of this, what's in this wallet, would you just hold it up to God? Today, you and I have a choice. We can say these simple words. We can pray this simple prayer. And inside, we can be begrudging or we can be withholding. And I'm asking today that God's going to do a work in my heart as well as your heart. A continued work. And God, today we come and we recognize that you are the owner of everything. Would you say that in your own life? God, you are the owner of everything. God, that you are the giver of everything. And God, I am the manager of your things. And God, today, I pray that you would give us wisdom in how we manage this. God, that you'd give us wisdom in how we are a conduit of all that you have blessed us with. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to leave you with this one last slide as our prayer team is coming across the front. Uh, go back right there. The question, how, God, how can, I, how can I best use what you own and what you have given me for your glory? Whether that's part of this big give or whether that's in everyday life, I would hope to say that this would be everyday life, but also part of this big give. God, how can I best use what you have given me? How can I best use what is yours? How do I glorify you best with this? So today, if you have not done a speed the light pledge, would you do so this morning? Before you leave, would you fill out a card? Would you drop it in the green box? Maybe you would go online and you would fill out an electronic pledge form. Would everybody just give something today? Maybe it's dropping money in an envelope and dropping it in the green box back there and saying, this is speed the light. We want to thank you for your obedience. God, today I thank you for the obedience of your people. I thank you for their generosity and their faithfulness. God, I come and I truthfully say the words of David. God, who am I and who are these people that we could do such an amazing task? God, this truly is not of us. Do you realize that, church? This truly is not of us. This is of you. And God, what this reflects is that you are a God who does above and beyond what we can ask, think, or imagine to those who walk in obedience to you. God, who you work through us. And God, I thank you today that we have been a people that you've utilized and worked through. And God, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for coming today. We'll see you next Sunday. Jingle Jam, if you have not signed up, please do so. And we're, we're looking forward to a great time. God bless you. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.